Now let's go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Back to the book of Genesis in chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. So is the flood and Noah mentioned in the New Testament? Yes, it is. And it's referring to the time of his crucifixion, his resurrection. It's also usually talking about his second coming. And remember when Jesus was here, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, even so shall it be in the days of the Son of God, the Son of Man. So does he refer to the flood once again and to the days of Noah? Yes. So evidently, God knows what he's talking about. And if he says Noah was a real person and the flood really happened, well, if Jesus says so, then it must be true. So we can believe it. And it wasn't a local flood. Many people say, well, no, it was just a local flood. Just a little local flood. Well, do you believe it was a little local flood? Well, let's just kind of look at it. But look there now in chapter 6. In verse 5 it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does God know everybody's thoughts? Even if you don't do something, God still knows what you thought of. And then he says in verse 8, And it repented or grieved the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowl of the air. It grieves me, repentant, that I have made man. See, repent doesn't always mean turn from sin. Uh, could God turn from sin? God doesn't have any sins. So repent doesn't always mean turn from your sins, as you'll hear some people say. Because God doesn't sin, so he can't quit sinning. But he can grieve. Does the Holy Spirit grieve when you and I are rebellious as his children? Yes. Now look what he says in verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is righteousness. Grace is how God saves a person. And so God said he was a preacher of righteousness. And so he was a godly man. And he had a wife, three sons, and three wives. They're three wives. So look in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. A just man means he was a righteous man. It means he had believed in the Lord. Remember why Christ went to the cross? That he might pay for all the sins of the world. The just for the what? Unjust. So it means that evidently Noah had to believe why Christ came and why Christ died. So even Enoch who was before the flood. The Bible says Enoch also preached in the book of Jude that he saw Christ coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon the ungodly. So even Enoch was a preacher before the flood. And the Bible says that he had this testimony that he pleased God. And because he pleased God, he was and he was not. But God took him, translated him, that he should not see death. So he is a type like of the rapture of somebody being taken out before the tribulation period upon the earth. So we're going to be taken out of the world. We are and we will be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then the Bible describes the great tribulation that's coming. And as it was in the days of Noah. 
See, we're not going to be here during the tribulation period. But now notice, in these verses it says that Noah walked with God. Look at what he says there in verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. So then he tells them to make this great big old ark. And this big old ark was about 450 feet long and about 45 feet wide. And all. So he gave them the dimensions of a pretty good sized ship. And the Bible says this is what he's going to do. So we look at in verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of water upon the earth. God says, I'm going to do this. See, God can stop things, and God can allow things. Remember when Jesus Christ was here? Because he was Lord, he was God, he had authority, power, and he was able to make a fig tree wither. That means he was over the fig tree. And he also could make all the fish come to a certain spot, and he says, cast your net on the other side. And they did. And they caught so many fish that it like to sunk the boat. So he was Lord over that. Uh, he could walk on the water, so he had power over that. He had power over the devil. He had power over the angels, the demons. He had power over the storm. Peace be still. So we're talking about somebody who is, he is the Lord. And he has power that's unlimited. So when the Lord said that he brought a flood, God did it. Well, he can do whatever he wants to do. This is his world. And the Bible says that he has a cattle in a thousand hills. Sometimes I tell God, well, why don't you sell some of those cattle and send me some of that money? But anyway, as we we're moving right along, look in verse 17 again. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Wherein is the, and here, breath of life. See, there's a lot of things that God would not have to take on the ark, you know, like whales and fish, and the thing that swims in the ocean, but that had the breath of life. And generally, we're talking about things that are on the land, uh, the people, the animals, and so forth. But it doesn't mean that he had to bring all kinds of fish. Now, he may have and preserve some, but anyway, the reason Noah did not go fishing while he was on the ark, he only had two worms. Thank you, I appreciate that. I only got one laugh out of all of this wisdom here in this Sunday school class. And he says, and everything that is in the earth shall die. And so God goes down to it. Now look in verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to, in that little word, all you ought to circle it, because most people serve God half-heartedly. They obey sometimes, but not in every area of their life. Learn to obey God in everything. You see, your attitude, my attitude, is so important with the Lord. God wants us to do things, but do it with the right attitude. Have you ever had kids, and you correct them, and then they got a bad attitude? Or sometimes they obey you, but you know their attitude isn't right. Now, what about you and me? Aren't we a little bit older? We're supposed to be a little bit different. Well, he says, he did all that God commanded him. So he did it. I asked the kids one day, I says, all right, I want you to tell me now, how many of each kind of animals did Moses take into the ark? And the kids will raise their hand. And they'll say, two. 
And I said, no. Uh-huh. Two? And I said, no. He did. It was two. I said, that was Noah, not Moses. He said, that's a trick question. I know. I know. But sometimes it's just nice to have a little fun, you know. But anyway, he says in verse 1, And God said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Not only because of what he believed, but because of what he did. Because the Bible says that he prepared an ark for the saving of his family. He did what God says do. See, up there in verse 22 of chapter 6, he did what God commanded him. Now, look at her also in verse 3. A fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive. Why did God take two of all kinds to keep seed alive? So that they can reproduce. You know, evolutionists cannot explain sex, male and female. And one is no good without the other. Now, which came first? I mean, when you start off with the evolutionists, you know, it's a, a one-celled amoeba. And then, lo and behold, it splits up and there's two. And it splits up and there's four. And then eight, 16, 32, 64. And there you go. But now, somewhere along the line, if we did evolve from a one-celled amoeba, we have to discuss the sex life of the amoeba on how to split up and stay happy at the same time. Now, how... Does something without a brain say, you be the male and I'll be the female? How do you determine? And yet we're supposed to believe that no plan, no design, no log, nothing. It's just all chance. That takes more faith to believe in evolution, to believe in creation. Because at least if we say we believe in creation, we believe a God did it. They believe nothing did it. Now, which is easier to believe? Somebody did something or nobody did something? I used to use a lot of this logic when I was going to the high schools and I was teaching there some of their classes. And the teacher sitting in there with the students and, man, you can make them look like a monkey, which is hard cold facts. And anyway, and I'd tell them, I says, my ancestors might have hung by the neck. <laughs> they never swung by the tail. Anyway, I'd get a laugh a little bit, you know. So we had one guy that was a teacher and he had red hair, red hair. And he looked a little bit like an orangutan. And they happen to have a big picture of the orangutan on the wall. And I says, sometimes you'll have teachers that'll teach you that you came from an ape. I said, I don't believe that. But now look at your teacher and look at this orangutan. I'm just about ready to change my mind. <laughs> and he laughed because I'd been there about four or five times in a row, you know, different years. And so he loved it. He laughed. But um, I wouldn't do that if I was in another place and I knew he didn't like that and I wouldn't do it. So, you know, you have to learn some things to do and not to do. I haven't say I've always done the best, but I've tried to learn as I've gotten a little bit older. But how old was Noah? How old was Noah? See there in verse 5? And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. In verse 6, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. 600 years old. That's a long time to live. And then as he did all the things that God told him to do, look in verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were, get this, all the fountains of great deep broken up, 
and the windows of heaven were open. So water came from both directions. Many believe that the earth had a canopy of water around the earth. And it produced a perfect greenhouse effect all over the earth. And you can have people and animals everywhere on the earth. And so it produced a perfect environment. But when the flood took place, water came from the bottom and and water came from above. At, up to this point, you don't believe it ever rained upon the earth. So they didn't know what rain was. Noah's out there preaching, hey, it's going to rain. They say, what's that? Well, water's going to fall. And this is where that chicken came from that says, the sky is falling in, the sky is falling in. You didn't know that? That's, that's what it, Tom, that's when it happened. You know, chicken little or something like that. You don't remember that story? All right. But how long did it rain? How long did it rain? Look in verse 12 where it says, And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. That's a long time. So God's word tells us what happened and all this. And look there in verse 15. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And in the last part of verse 16, And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was 40 days upon the earth. Now look in verse 19. Verse 19, And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And get this, and you ought to circle this little word, the word all. All the high hills that were under the whole heavens were what? So this was just a little local flood, right? Look at the next verse. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. So not just the hills. Does the Bible say even the mountains were covered? That's what it says. Fifteen cubits were about 22 feet higher than the mountains. So there was enough water left over. They say even today, if you melted all the water at the North Pole, the South Pole, and melted all the water, it would still do quite a bit of damage. But see, some of the highest mountains we have, and you have to ask the evolution, uh, they say, well, it can't do that. How high was the mountains in those days? They don't know. How much water was it? Well, they don't know. I think people say, well, you can't believe the Bible is true. Why not? How could God get all those animals on that little old ark? Okay. How big was the ark? Well, I don't know. How many animals were there? Well, I don't know. So you don't believe the Bible because you don't see how God got all those animals, and you know how many there were, into that ark, and you don't know how big it was. I said, doesn't that make sense? Is it possible that God could have taken babies? He didn't have to take the big old elephant or, uh, you know, big old, uh, you know, dinosaurs. But the lifespan of man greatly reduced after this canopy of protection around the earth. And man's lifespan went from, say, six, seven, eight hundred. 900 years old, down to about 75. Hello. And that's why 70 years, then you might live to be 80 years. Four score. But there's heartache and sorrow, and regardless of how long you live, then we fly away. That's Psalms 90. We're still going to die. So we don't know how high they were and so on. But it doesn't matter. And we know that the earth doing what it did and the fountains of water coming up from the deep, the churning of what had to take place. And then the Bible talks about, 
You see, mountains could have rose and even rose higher than what they were back then. I don't know. I know that it landed on the Mount Ararat. That's what the Bible teaches. Now look what he says there in verse 21. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And every man. And look at verse 22. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life. So fish maybe didn't have to die. But all that had the breath of life in the nostrils, yes. And so the waters was up on the earth 150 days. Now look in verse 1. And God remembered Noah. Hey, God didn't forget. But from a human point of view, sometimes, have you ever thought God has forgotten you? You ever go through a hard time and think, God, do you realize who I am? Do you realize what's going on in my life? And I need help now. And you hope that God hasn't taken a vacation or a trip and a siesta, gone to sleep, and I'm in trouble. Because if you can't wake him up, I mean, you're in no deliverance. And so sometimes we cry out to God and we holler at God. But God doesn't forget. And he says here in verse 4, And the ark rested in the seventh month, October, seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Arak. So even people still believe today that maybe in the month of October the Lord may come back again. I believe all these dates are symbolic and prophetic. But also notice this in verse 5, And the water decreased continually unto the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, and get this, were the tops of the mountains seen. So was this a local flood or was this a worldwide flood all over the earth? And you can go on any mountain peak and you can find seashells and stuff on top of mountain peaks. I've been all over the mountains of Colorado. I mean, I've, I've skied just about every slope and I've hunted on every mountain. I know every tree and every blade of grass. Well, not really. But I've been all over and I've seen all kinds of things. But anyway, what I want you to see, verse 9, look in verse 9. And the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot because he had sent out a dove. She returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. What does it say? The face of the what? You ought to underline that, circle that, because you'll have people that will question that. Well, it's just a little old local flood. No, it wasn't. It says the whole earth. So you go by what the book says and believe it. And in verse 11, And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. So he waited seven more days, seven more days, and lo and behold, he comes off the ark. Now look at verse 20. When he got off the ark, in verse 20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl. Now, the things that he's going to offer as a sacrifice, he took those in addition to the two that's supposed to be left alone. Some animals that were the clean that he took on the ark in order to offer sacrifices was because it is a picture of what you believe in the Lord keeping his word, keeping his promise. God had promised there's going to be a flood. The flood came. God keeps his word. But the purpose of a sacrifice was a promise that the son one day will come and make a payment for the sins of the world. And so they made an altar and they sacrificed these certain animals that were 
uh, more than just the regular two, and so this is what God told him to do. And in verse 21, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his, when he gets old. How long does it take to have an evil mind? When does it start? When you're born. And you can be deceptive even in the crib. I don't remember that, you know. I just remember when I was born, I was behind bars and hitting a bottle. Now, some of y'all don't get that, but there's a, that's a juicy little morsel right there. But anyway, he says, evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. So, he says, the earth remaineth, seed time, harvest, cold, heat, summer, winter, day and night shall not cease. So, whether some of these things and all these things were done before, we don't know. So, there's some things that God now, there's seasons. There may not have been seasons before because it had a, a global effect and a, a perfect environment all over. But now we have the earth tilted on an axis and we have ice caps at the North Pole, South Pole, and the earth is rotating at a certain degree around the sun. And this position is what gives us our seasons that we have. And he says there's seed time. There's time to plant, time to plow, time to harvest. So all these things. So he says here in chapter 9, And God blessed Noah and his sons and says unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So he goes down through here and explains to them some things they were to do. And he says, you're not to take another person's life. But if you take a person's life, this is where we have a government set up. And so he says in verse 5, Surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require. And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Because you take a life. See there in verse 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For he is the image of God, made he man. And so this is where you have capital punishment. God's, if a man deliberately, now, accidental death, things like that, God's word has things to say about that. But if a man deliberately takes another man's life, his life is to be taken, period. I think you're better off just, just go by the book. Just go by the book. And don't worry about anything else. All righty. Let me show you something. You've never seen this before. This hand, let it represent you and me. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. The Bible says that God, he loves us, but he hates our sin. God loves us. But all of us have sinned. We've all done things wrong. And to pay for the wrong is eternal separation from God and hell. But God loves us. But to go to heaven, you see, we have to be perfect. No sin. And with sin, we can't get in. So God says, you have to be perfect. There's only a perfect heaven. There's not a good heaven or so-so heaven. There's only a perfect one. And you and I don't qualify. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself. Man makes up his own gospel. Just tells you to have more Good deeds, then you do bad deeds, and you get in. He has no chapter and verse. There's no verse in the Bible that says that. No verse in the Bible that says, if you'll be pretty good, I'll let you go to heaven. 
you have to be perfect, and none of us are, and we have a debt, and it has to be paid. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from God. See, we're separated. That's what God calls dead in sins. Because of sins, I'm separated from God. I'm separated from him. I can't get to him because of sin. He can't get to me because of sin, because he's pure and holy. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. He came into the world, and because of his love, he's gonna, if he takes my sin, he has to die. So he took all the sin of all the world and died on the cross. Paid for it, came back from the dead. He says, if you and I, if we will believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. I enjoy telling people, God loves you so much, he would rather die than live without you. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. This is what he did. He would rather die than live without you. Because without that, you and I had no chance. That's how much he loves you. You're worth something in his eyes. He does care about you. He does love you. And so the most important thing you will ever do in your whole life is to believe he did it for you. If you reject Christ, you're rejecting the love of God. Jesus Christ is the love of God. What man would reject the love of God, and turn down this free gift of eternal life to live forever with the Lord in heaven and no sin forevermore. I can't see a person doing that, but people do it. They're blind, deceived, but I hope that you that are here are a little bit more intelligent. It's a wise person, a smart person that will say, I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. And I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just simply just talk to the Lord right now? With your head bowed, just talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, all of us are. And Lord, I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him as my Savior. And friend, if you'll trust him right now, God said he would save you right now and give to you eternal life. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? I'm not going to embarrass him. I'm not going to have you forward. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you say, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And I'd like you to pray for me in closing. If you're doing that, just that much. Would you just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down? Just slip your hand up very quickly. Say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you so much for all that Christ has done for us. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to come together because we believe that your word is the word. It is perfect. And that, Father, it will accomplish what it's sent forth to do. So bless in Christ's name we pray. Amen.